Hello, my friend, and welcome to the Mark Stuchowski Podcast, the show that's all about helping you perform at an optimum level. I am Mr. Productivity, and it is my obsession to teach you how to be the most productive version of you. And one of the ways I do that is by inviting you to my monthly live training. My next live training will be happening on Friday, September 18th at noon Eastern. I'm going to be talking about planning your day, the why and the how. You can register by clicking the link in the show notes or the banner of my website, mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com. On the show today, Mike Simmons. He is a real estate investor, podcaster, and speaker, and he is passionate about helping people scale their business. Have you ever thought of scaling your business? Have you tried it and maybe struggled? Well, Mike has got a whole host of information for you on the mistakes he made and some great ideas on how you can properly scale your business. An incredible conversation with Mike Simmons. Mike, welcome to the show. Mark, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited you're here too, because when you signed up for this call originally, you said something that really caught my eye, and that's that you shared the stage with the Gary Vaynerchuk. Now, most of the listeners of my show, certainly not all of them, most of them know who Gary Vaynerchuk is. He is a a tremendous entrepreneur. He owns VaynerMedia, VaynerSports, VaynerX, and he's an incredible guy. The only thing I don't like about him, we were talking before I hit record, is he's got a potty mouth. But other than that, Guy's got a heart of gold. He truly wants everyone, except for New England Patriots fans, uh, to succeed. Now, that's an inside joke if you know Gary. But yeah. so tell us a little bit about, you know, you got to share the stage with him. Did you actually get to talk to him? Yeah, I did a little bit, actually. And the story of how I got to share the stage with him was actually very interesting. <laughs> um, so I have a podcast of my own and I reached out because, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of Gary. I listen to his stuff. I, I follow him. And he, you know, he's said in, in the past and he's very big on like, just pick up the phone, like just try to get a hold of people. Just ask. Like you have to, you have to ask, mm-hmm. right? If you want something, don't be afraid to ask. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to reach out to him and see if I can get him on my show. I'm just going to ask for, for, uh, for him to do that. And so I, I started reaching out to him on social media, Instagram and some other places. And just telling him who I was and saying, hey, I'd like to have you on. I'd love to have you whenever it's convenient for you and just kind of doing the whole thing. And I did this just a handful of times, two or three, four times I reached out and he never responded. But like a couple of weeks later, I get a call or an email, I should say, not in a call, but an email from his uh, Gainer, uh, Vayner Media group and said, hey, we're putting on this um, event. It's called Agent 2021. It's going to happen in, in Miami at the Dolphin Stadium. And we want you to come and speak. Now, yes, there could just be a humongous coincidence that they plucked me out of a million people <laughs> they could have randomly called. But something tells me Gary saw this and said, who is this guy? And they looked me up, probably listened to the start of a podcast, or just randomly skipped into middle one to see if I could speak at all coherently and said, ah, let's get this guy on. He had the, he had the guts to reach out. Let, let's bring him in. And they did. And they brought me in. I, I was uh, on stage for the first Agent 2021. If you're familiar with that event, it's it's a it's for it was basically designed to be four years, and it's all different kind of agents and real estate agents, travel agents, all these different kind of agents, and it was supposed to be for four years, starting in 2018, and then that would be the end of it. So I spoke at the first one, 
And uh, yeah, I got to talk to him during the event. He was kind of walking around talking to folks and just had a minute to thank him for inviting me there. And it was a cool event. It was really surreal. I mean, the fact that they had it at the Miami Dolphin Stadium and the whole enormity of that was just, it was very, very cool. I've spoken before, but that was definitely the biggest stage I've ever been oh, on. Oh, I bet. <laughs> and uh, it was awesome. It was really, really cool. And like I said, it was just never would happen if I didn't reach out to him and say, hey, I want you to do this thing. And yeah, he didn't do it, but he did something else that was very, very cool and gave me a chance to experience that. One thing I really like about him is Gary doesn't evaluate who you are based on how many followers you have. Actually, I actually heard him say on, I think it was Instagram stories once, that he hoped he has he has zero followers at some point. He wants people to come, learn, and leave. And he was talking once where someone goes, yeah, you know, I want to be on podcasts, but sometimes they don't have enough listeners. He goes, why do you care? He goes, I don't care if I get invited in a podcast and I can do it. I don't care if they have 4 million downloads or four. I don't care if I, if I can help serve someone. And he goes, I would actually like to go on the, the podcast with four listeners and explode it. Cause that's what Gary loves to do. Gary likes to explode things up like that. And yeah. so the number one question I get asked by people who really don't have the best interest in mind is when I invite them on the show and they go, how many, how many downloads do you have? I don't, I don't share the information. Why? Because that's telling me you care more about getting your message to my audience than, and the size of my audience than you do care about helping my audience. Yeah. And I really care, as I know you care about your podcast listeners. I want yep. the people to come on my show and really care about delivering value because the people listening to this conversation, they could be listening to thousands of other things, if not million other things. And I want to make sure yep. we give them value. And I really like that about Gary Vaynerchuk. He said, look, it's all about the value because downloads really don't make any difference anyways, because I, I'm sure you have a lot of podcasts downloaded your phone you ever watched. Or listen to, and they're downloaded, so they count as downloads, but you haven't listened. And to me, it's all about taking action. So the reason why I wanted to have you on the show today is we're going to talk a lot about uh, scaling business. Now, there are, just so we everybody understands what we're talking about in case someone's like, I don't understand what you're talking about. There's solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, and there's small business owners, and you go up from there. Solopreneur is kind of like what I am. It's just me. Entrepreneur is like you are the creator, you're the, the the big guy, and then you have people working for you. And the small business owner, every, obviously, every other everybody knows what those mean. Small business owner, you get to be medium sized business and stuff like that. So let's talk about how we can scale our business because one of the things I learned, and I'd love to know your thoughts on this. One of the things I learned is I heard Tony Robbins say that you cannot scale to like multi million millions when it's just you. You need to have a team. You cannot be a solopreneur and be like um, Tony Robbins is, I don't know, an entrepreneur, small business owner, whatever, but he's not a solopreneur. He's got a team. So what are your thoughts about that between solopreneur, entrepreneur, and scaling your business? Well, I 100% agree with Tony. You can, you know, every business is different. You know, if I'm selling 50 cent widgets, it might be difficult to get to a million dollars on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, you know, I'm in a business where it's it's high ticket price, right? So it's easier for me to maybe get to a million dollars in revenue by myself. But I will 100% agree, multi-million dollar businesses are very rarely, if ever, done by one person. I think you do have to scale up. You have to have some sort of a team around you if you want to do that. Because the fact of the matter is, no matter how productive, how efficient, how optimized you are as a human being, there's still 
a, a, a finite amount of time that you have. Everyone has to 24 sleep. hours in a day. <laughs> and, and, and maybe maybe you can get done twice as much as me, but you can't get done a thousand times more than me. You right. just can't scale it up like that. So, you know, in, in my industry, I was able to get to a million dollars, but I did have a team, a small team, but I had a team, you know, when I was just a solopreneur, like you are, when I was by myself in my industry, I could get to several hundred thousand dollars in revenue, but I could never break that million dollar mark because there was just too much to do for one person. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Everyone, everyone's got different goals. And I, I like to tell people all the time, scaling up isn't for everybody. It's not what you necessarily everybody wants to do because, you know, I will probably get into it a little bit later, but. There's a difference we learned in the e-myth, right? The e-myth, everyone knows the book, mm-hmm. that there are technicians, there's there's operators, people who are in the trenches, and then there's folks that managers, visionaries, and folks that are in that role. And when we start a business, any business, whatever it is, we, we end up having to do everything. We wear all the hats. We have to be the sales department. We have to be the you know purchasing department, whatever. We have to do everything ourselves. And then in order to scale up and build a team, you have to shift from being the operator, the technician, into being someone who can hire, manage, train, lead, inspire. That's a different skill set. You build your business off of a certain skill set. And then in order to grow and scale that business, you have to step out of what you've just gotten good at and, and get a whole different set of skills. And not everyone can do that. I, you know, There's a good analogy I like to use. At one time, I was in the automotive industry. I worked in the automotive industry. I'm from Michigan. Most people are in the automotive industry here, right? <laughs> yep. So when I worked in the automotive industry, we would have, for example, the engineering department. And what companies would do oftentimes, and, and it was a really, really not a great idea, they would go into the engineering department and they would take the most productive, talented engineer and they would promote him or her to engineering manager. Now they're managing the team, but they're not really doing the engineering anymore. And a lot of times it was a colossal failure because that person is a really, really good engineer. Doesn't mean they're a good manager. Doesn't mean they want or like managing people. It's like this, it's like this crazy thought process that if you're really good at what you do, you'll be great at managing people doing that. And that's not necessarily the case. Correct. One of the best managers I've ever had in my life when I worked a nine to five job was a guy who came into our department and he had no knowledge of what we do, like none. And he he said right up front, guys, you're the experts. I, I don't know your business as well as you do. I need you to be successful in this role. And that was his approach. And he was really, really good. And we had a lot of success. I think sometimes when you've had that role of technician, especially when you're the owner of the company, you struggle to pull yourself out and you struggle to not micromanage. And that's the, some of the pitfalls of trying to scale a business. I mean, there's a lot of them, but mm-hmm. that's one of the things that people don't think about is I'm no longer the person responsible for doing this thing. I just have to make sure it gets done and I have to manage, train, inspire, lead and all that. And not everyone's cut out for that stuff. I agree. And what I'd like to also talk about is some people scale or try to scale too fast. So let's say you just started your own business. I believe you should know how to do everything you need in your own business. You just created your own baby. You need to know how to do it. When I see people do, they hang their shingle out and right away, they're going out and getting virtual assistants and they're going to pay for all this automation software that they pay for on a monthly basis. And I'm like, you have no income. Why are you spending this money? How are you paying for this stuff? And like, well, I heard that you should, you know, use VAs and, and automation. I said, yes, when you have the money and the clients. But if you just hang your shingle out, you shouldn't go out and invest this money right away because you'll have no income. And I'd like to know your thoughts on it. Do you think that people do 
look at everybody like a Gary Vaynerchuk or someone like that and like, well, I got to scale. I just started my business. Do you think they scale? Some people scale too fast. Yeah. I, I think most people, listen, we live in a microwave society, right? Maybe that's an old saying nowadays, but everyone's impatient. Everybody wants everything now. And there is something that is called a runway, right? When you're starting out, <laughs> if you go out and start hiring and spending a lot of money on automation and people and stuff, you're effectively reducing the runway. In other words, the amount of time, money, and energy that you have to devote to this project until you just go bankrupt, right? Your, your company folds because you can't support the overhead that you've created yeah. for yourself. So part of, you know, learning, you know, really it's more, it's not, yeah, you should learn all the roles, but the problem is most people, unless you're just insanely gifted, you're not going to be great at all the roles. You mm -hmm. should do them for a period of time. So you understand what's involved in it. Mm -hmm. But like for me and my company, I'm not the best salesperson because I owned the company. I became adequate, you know, and that's not exactly the, the, the word you want to describe your salesperson in your company adequate, but I became adequate because I had to conform to that role because it was critical for my, the success of my company. So once I hired an actual salesperson who that's what he does, that's his superpower. It's what he lives, eats, breathes sales it took off. Like it was a night and day difference between my little, you know, piddly results <laughs> as a salesperson and what they could do. So I think you should learn those roles and you're right. You have to, you know, if you're not generating income, you're not a business in my right. opinion. So why are you bringing in people to work for you? You don't have a business until you have customers, until you have sales, until you have cash flow. And once you have that, if you start off, like for me, I think it's important for people once they have that business established, they start making some money identify the role in your company that you absolutely do not like to do. Because if you don't like doing it, chances are you're doing it poorly. Mm -hmm. And it's probably going to be, if it's not already a bottleneck for you, it's, it's, a, it's a problem point. So identify what you really, be honest with yourself, what you don't like doing. And that should probably be the first thing that you try to hire out. And you can be creative with hiring people, by the way. When I hired my sales guy I just talked about, he was a killer. He was a superstar. He absolutely doubled and tripled what I was able to do. But in my, he was in my market. He had a full-time job that he was very good at and he liked it. He was interested in real estate, which is what I do. So he was a pharmaceutical salesperson, full-time pharmaceutical salesperson. He was a local on the road sales rep for this pharmaceuticals company. And he could go out and crush it and still have tons of time left in his day because he was so good at what he did. I mean, they were he was the regional like salesman of the year. They sent him to Hawaii. They give him awards. Like He was great. Wow. He had tons of time. And he said, listen, I want to learn real estate. I'd like to work for you. I have time in my day. So I started letting him go on appointments for me and he was crushing it. I was paying him commission. If he didn't produce sales for me, I didn't owe him anything and he didn't need me to pay him necessarily in the beginning because ah. he had a full-time job that paid him plenty of money. He was making great money, right? So I'm not saying that works in every situation, but that was a creative way that I was able to bring a super, a legitimate superstar salesperson into my company, not have to pay him a base. And I only paid him when he produced for me. And we did that for a while until he made the move to come full-time. But so people say, oh, I can't afford to hire someone. Or even if they have cash flow, like I want to get someone great, but I can't afford someone great. I don't know. Think outside the box a little bit. Think about it. Maybe there's ways that you can find these people who will come in part-time and they're great. I would rather have somebody working for me 20 hours a week that's like lights out great than someone who's not very good who will give me you know eight hours a day. I just would. And it worked out for me that way. 
Hey there, it's Mark. I just wanted to hop in here real quick to invite you to check out my website, MrProductivity.com, for the date of my next live training to get my top five productivity tips and so much more. It all happens over at MrProductivity.com. Yeah, I, I agree with what you say. And getting back to my point earlier is I, I've come across a lot of people on social media in, in the real world or whatever. And they think that if I get a VA, it's a magic bullet to success. Or if I go out and get the software, like I alluded to earlier, it's a magic bullet. No, it's not. Because guess who has to train the VA? That would be you. You, you can't go, okay, I, I great got this business. I have this great idea. Well, I don't know anything about sales. Someone's going to hire someone at random to sell because you have to, train them. And no one's going to care more about the business than you. And so uh, Tim Ferriss, I think, made famous the, in the four-hour work week a number of years ago about VAs. But you have to really think, like you said, I like how you said, find out the thing you hate to do and then fill that position first. We always like to go, oh, I have a podcast. Let me let me get a podcast editor and producer. I'm like, okay, is that the thing you hate to do? Is that the thing that's going to move the needle for you? Or is it, to your point, is it sales? Because let's face it, yeah, podcasts are great. But if you're not making money off the podcast, or in my case, I don't do ads on my show, so it's actually a lost leader because I have to pay for the hosting and stuff like that. If I were going to hire someone, I wouldn't hire a podcast producer editor. Actually, my wife does it because... Well, there's no one going to, the only one's going to care more about, uh, care as much about the companies I do as, as my wife. But I would not hire a podcast editor. I would hire a salesperson because to your point, that makes the most sense. That's going to get income in the door. Getting a slickly produced podcast, I'll get more listeners, but it, it will it generate money. I, I don't think so. So I, I think to your point, it's very good point. You need to figure out where your weakness is and go hire those people. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And And by the way, Hiring a VA, here's the reality. I've hired VAs more than once. If you don't know the position very well that you're hiring them for, it will fail. Mm -hmm. Like, end of story. Because most VAs, especially from certain countries, they need very specific instructions or they will not know what to do and they won't get it done. They have to have extremely detailed, very comprehensive instructions for them to be successful. And if you've never done it or don't understand it, you can't give them those instructions and therefore you are set up to fail. And by the way, a lot of VAs, <clears throat> just because of the country that they're from in their culture, it's not necessarily polite or it's not done to say, I don't understand or that doesn't make sense. They're, they, uh. in their culture, they, they agree. They're very agreeable. Yes. Yes. Do you understand? Yes. Even though they don't, they'll say yes because oh, it's wow. impolite <laughs> to say no. So then now you're getting these false positives from them and they're saying they, and I, <laughs> I believe me, I'm not saying this from like, it's not, this isn't anecdotal or, or like hypothetical. I, I actually did this and, uh, and they said they understood everything and did nothing right. And I'm like, wait, you said you understood. And I realized <laughs> they were being polite. You know, I wasn't giving them good instructions. So uh, you have to really know what you're talking about when you hire VAs. Sometimes you hire someone local who's real dynamic and real smart and real great. They can fill in the gaps. They can sort of piece things together logically. And, and sometimes that doesn't work so well, VAs. What do you know today, on September 11, 2020, that you wish you would have known when you first started your journey on entrepreneur? Uh, I wish a lot of things, but... <laughs> I'll give you the top three and I'll do okay. it relatively quickly. I won't dwell on a lot of them, but I wish I understood that I, I needed to hire sooner than I thought I did. Mm. I, I had this weird circular catch 22 logic that went something like this. 
I can't do any more by myself. I'm running around crazy. I need to hire, but I can't hire because I'm not a big enough company yet, but I'll mm. never get to be a big enough company until I hire. <laughs> okay. And it was like this crazy circular logic that I kept, I found myself in. And the reality was I could have hired sooner. I just thought I couldn't. And, and it was because I wasn't thinking at all creatively. I thought, oh, I got a W2 and I got to pay him a base and I can't afford. Like, there's other ways to do it. Like I said, I deal with my sales guy. So that's number one. I, I needed to know that, that hiring a little bit soon. And I don't have to hire a full staff day one, like right, just <laughs> small, like right, part time help, right. you know, just to kind of get me a little bit further. So that's one thing. Uh, number two was, is uh, I wish I would have known that I have to track my numbers. Mm. <laughs> and so this is a huge mistake people make as solopreneurs and it gets worse as they scale. Uh, a lot of folks run their business and they're running it off of a bank account. Okay. So they know money's coming in. They know money's going out. And depending on the industry you're in, sometimes there's a lot of money that is out working for you and it feels like your bank account's empty, but it's really not. And then vice versa. So a lot of people, like I did this, I knew money was coming and I knew money was going out, but I had no idea if I was profitable. I just mm. knew money was going in and going out, right? So as you grow and scale, I, I equate it to being in an airplane. So you can get the plane off the ground. You know you're in the air. You know that for sure. You don't know if you're gaining altitude, losing altitude, or if there's a, a building or a mountain in your path, right? Mm -hmm. Until you look at the instrument panel, you need an instrument panel. You need to understand what's working in your business and what's not. So those are definitely a couple of things. The other, the last thing was you, I need systems and processes. When mm -hmm. I was, was running my business in the early years, every time I got a deal, and for me, it was a house. Every time I did it, it was a brand new process. I wasn't I wasn't standardizing anything in my company. So if you every time you get a new a new deal or 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 something, you know, a new client, if you're reinventing every process that you do, yep. it's inevitably going to be slow and and you can't train to that. How do you train someone to a process that just changes every single time? So I I had to learn to standardize a little bit and create systems and processes. And by the way, Little pro tip for folks, because I've made this mistake too. When you're trying to scale your business, you're like, okay, I heard on the podcast, on Mark's podcast, I have to create a process. So I'm going to create a process. A process doesn't have to be, you know, a book the size of the Bible. It doesn't have to be this <laughs> humongous book, right? It can be a checklist. It can be just just a, an outline, right, that you follow so you know what order things need to get done and so you don't miss anything. Because in my case, especially as you're scaling, your process will change over yep. time. You, you'll, you'll get better. You'll improve. So if you try to create this comprehensive book, by the time you're done, it'll be obsolete. You'll have to go back and make make adjustments to it. So I'm a big fan of like the the airplane checklist, right? Like we got we have all these safety checks we have to do, yep. and it's and it's a bullet point list for the most part with a couple of sub sub lists. But it's real basic, but it keeps everyone kind of going in the same direction. So when someone comes in or someone has to cover for somebody, they can just go to the checklist and go, okay, here's what I do, here's what I do, boom, boom, and go down the list. I, I think that's probably the best way to go. You can get fancy with videos and things. There's nothing wrong with that. If you have a stable process that's not changing very often, great, make it a little more comprehensive. But as you're scaling, keep it simple so you can kind of like move things in and out as, as it becomes necessary. Two thoughts on that is I used to run my business off my checking account, and then someone said, hey, have you heard of a P&L? What's a P&L? Profit and loss statement. So now what I do is I track my expenses on the profit and loss statement, and then it gives you a better picture. You're actually right, because it, you have 
$28 in your account, $2,800, uh, what's coming and going. But the profit and loss statement gives you like breaks it really down. So when I got introduced to that, cause I got in the beginning, I was kind of like, Whoa, what is this? But once I got used to it, I'm like, Oh, it's my friend. So I just want to say that the other thing about systems and processes, uh, when my wife lost her job because she was in a travel agency, uh, due to COVID, um, cause the travel agency shut down. Um, yeah. She started helping me around, you know, my business. And one of the things that I don't like to do, speaking of things I don't like to do, is I like doing the interviews. I don't like doing the post processing. So what I do now is I do the intro and the outro and we're done. And then she takes care of everything else. But for reasons I don't understand, she couldn't read my mind. So I had to create a process for her on what I do. And, and it was really challenging for me because it was all up in my head. And I had to sit there and go, okay. Starting from step one, what do I do when I'm done with the podcast? I started writing down every step. Every time I clicked the key, I wrote it down. And it turned out like, I think 57 or 75 steps or something like that. I'm like, oh my gosh. But I've been doing it for so long and it was all in my head. It's a good idea to write these things down because yep. you don't want to create systems when you're ready to expand. Cause now like, oh crap, now I have to create the processes. So now what I'm trying to do as I go, I'm trying to create processes because whether I hire someone in a week or a month or a year, now I've got the stuff written down instead of waiting till I hire them to go, well, you're hired, but you're going to, have to give me a week to create the processes. Then it doesn't, then they're like, well, who are you? And so I'm a firm believer of systems and processes, 100%. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I totally agree with you. I do the same thing. I, I'm, you know, what I found about myself, and this is something I highly recommend to folks, even if they're not going to scale. Just if you're running a business, I know they're not they're not a hundred percent complete or comprehensive or, or telling of the whole story. But I'm a big fan of taking personality assessments. Now, I use them when I hire. It's not the sole basis of hiring. It just gives me another three hundred and sixty degree view of this person, and it tells me how they're predisposed. Now. The flaw of personality tests is personal experiences can can change the way someone may react in a mm-hmm. given situation because they've they have experiences that changes their pattern. But it tells you how they're predisposed. And I've taken every every personality test known to man. And one thing that they come back and scream to me every single time without fail is, "You are not a detail person." So when there's a scale of one to a hundred with detail, literally I get zero. Like it's zero. So I know in my company, I should not be checking documents last. Like I can look at them, but I'll miss stuff. I should not be checking spellings of emails, none of that stuff, because I'll always, I'll always miss the details. I'm really good though at visionary stuff. I have ideas. I'm a driver. I like to get things done. I'm very impatient. Tells me that. I know that, right? My family looks at these personality tests and they're like, yep, everything <laughs> they say is 100% true. And they come back consistent. So I think it's important for you to, to always know these things about the folks that work for and with you. And I think it's important for you to know them about yourself. I'm a big fan and I fought this for years, but I'm a big fan in all aspects of life that don't dwell too much on your weaknesses. Work for strengthen your strengths. Like get, lean into what you're great at, and and don't be unaware of what you're not good at. Like sure, if you're you know impatient, work on a little bit of patience. I, I think it's good for everyone. But if you're great at something, don't spend all your time trying to bring bring your your your, your score of five up to a fifteen. Work on bringing your score of seventy five up to ninety five or a hundred. Like really lean into what makes you good and and. W- Figure out how to work within your 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 shortcomings, right? I know I'm not a detail person, so 
this year I hired a personal assistant and she helps me clean up a lot of the details. She doesn't let me forget things. That's important for me so I can lean into what I'm good at. So I think it's important for people to know themselves. And it took me 45 years to really (laughs) come to grips because I worked again in the automotive industry for a while and they had me, I was a program manager. They had me, uh, looking at details a lot of times. I was going behind people and looking and I I struggled, but I just thought I can do this. I can do it. And it was always going against the grain for me. And it wasn't until I started working for myself, started to understand myself a little better. I go, you know what? I'm not great at this. So let, let me figure out a way to to create a process or a system or hire someone that can help me with my weaknesses so I can lean into what I'm good at. I always believe that you should, like you said, lean in on your strengths and outsource the weaknesses and yes. it's a lesson you learn. And I really appreciate you saying that. So as we wrap up the, the show today, um, any final thoughts that are on your heart that you'd like to share with the audience? Yeah, I, I would. So I wrote a book about scaling my business. And I, I am I am someone who likes scaling. I like starting things and then growing them. It's it's something that makes me feel good about what I do in business. But scaling isn't for everybody. If you are a one man show, you're doing it all yourself. You're a solopreneur, and you're happy because you know some people don't want the responsibility of having a team and people that report to them or people that are paying their mortgages off of their success or failure. I get that. I totally do. And if that's you, don't look at somebody else and think. I want what they have because it looks cool, even though you know it's going to make you mental and just miserable to have this team. So don't think scaling is for everybody. But if you do want to scale, take the time that you took to get great at whatever industry you're in that allowed you to start your business and grow it. Whatever effort and energy and education and time you put into honing that skill to get great at starting the business... You need to take equal time, energy, and put the education in becoming a good leader. Because I'm telling you, you can have a great business. You start hiring folks and you're not a good leader. You're not good at hiring, inspiring, mm-hmm. training. It'll fail. It'll all come crashing down. And you'll, you'll be sitting there in the rubble wondering, why did I even scale? I had something great and I was happy, right? But if you really want to scale, do not skip over the part of being good at leading people. That's very, very important. And it's not a skill that everyone has intuitively. So so spend time honing that. I love that. So where can we find you online? Where can we get your book? All that good stuff. You can get my book on Amazon. It is called Level Jumping. And if you uh, go to Amazon, just type in Level Jumping or Mike Simmons, you'll find it right there. Um, also, you can find me at Just Start Real Estate. My podcast is called Just Start Real Estate. My email is mike at juststartrealestate.com. And uh, if if it's okay with you, Mark, I do have a free digital download of my book. If your folks want just to get it free and they want to consume it on a Kindle or something like that, okay. they can text the two words now, text the words, just start to the number 55444. And you can just get the book for free if you'd rather consume it digitally. Okay. Well, Mike, this has been an incredible conversation and it was very helpful. I learned something from you as I do from all my guests. So thank you so much for your time for being on the show today. All right. Thanks for having me, Mark. And just before we go, don't forget to register for my next live training, Friday, September 18th at noon Eastern. Going to be talking about planning your day, the why and the how. Register by clicking the link in my show notes or in the banner of my website, mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski Podcast. Until we meet again, my friend, go be productive.